Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Let me love you some Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, today, I'm excited. Uh, uh, if you're a visitor, welcome to Reliance. It's good to have you guys here. Call yourself a family. Um, and, and so we're in a family in pursuit of Jesus um, knowing that there's many other places out there that are doing the same thing. And so unified in this front of Jesus Christ. And so thank you guys for joining us today. Um, the last few weeks, uh, we, we laid out um, three kind of areas at Reliance <coughs> that we're pressing into. The first one is our purpose. And we talked about our purpose is to, is to see and reflect the glory of God. We talked about our vision. And our vision is that we want to live out the gospel in our everyday life. Like, we want to believe what the Bible says. We want to believe what the Bible says and actually live it out. I know it sounds profound, right? But we believe that that's the calling that God's placed on our hearts. And then our mission. <coughs> and we believe that our mission is that every single one of you are equipped with gifts the Lord has given you to impact the areas that you spend the most time in. The sphere of influence, as many call it. That, that you have a place that you go to way more than you go to church. It could be your families, it could be your workplace, it could be your gyms, could, whatever it is that you do, and that God has put you in that place for a reason. That God gifted you, actually. You think maybe by, like, like by circumstance, you just happened to get there. You think maybe that, oh, I just happened to land that job. It was just circumstance luck. No, no, no. God ordains our steps, Amen. Yeah. God ordains ourselves. You're at where you're at, even if you don't want to be there. Do I hear an amen to that? Even if you don't want to be there, you're at where you're at today because God ordains our steps and he has gifted you for this season or for longevity, whatever it may be. He's gifted you to be there to change and impact lives that are there. And so purpose, vision, mission is what we've focused on. And we, I, feel, I, feel, I feel like as a staff we do as well, but we, we've kind of got this uh, thing that's been driving our hearts lately. And it's this term that we've been saying that, Father, would you give us faith to match your faithfulness? Would you give us faith to match your faithfulness, which is kind of an unachievable thing. I just want to throw that out to you. I kind of, sometimes I feel like that's setting us up for failure because we will never match the faithfulness of God. Like he is, he's going to be faithful immeasurably more than we could ever be. His faithfulness will go further than we could ever, ever go. In fact, the word says it. It, it feels like it's unachievable because the word says in Ephesians 3.20, now to him, Jesus, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Like his faithfulness can't be measured, church. His faithfulness can't be measured. And so when we pray this, like, Lord, give us faith to match your faithfulness, what we're really saying is, Lord, just continue to increase our faith. Like, we just want to get closer. We just want to draw in more. We just want to be more faithful than we were yesterday. We just want to continue to grow closer and closer to you. We just draw into you. And so I want to say that because um, we believe that um, as we grow in faith, not just individually, but as we grow in faith corporately, God moves. There's just something about faith that stirs the heart of God. There's something about men and women of faith that stirs the heart of God. And we're going to talk about that today and probably a little bit next week. Uh, but, but there's something about faith that stirs the heart of God. And when we come on a Sunday morning with one mind and one purpose, God, that we want to be faithful, 
And we talk about equipping, and you've heard us talk about that word equip, that we want to see you grow. And, and then we use the word that once you grow, we want to le release and empower you to go, to go and change your spheres of influence. All of this is foundational on this word faith. All of it hinges on this word faith. But here's the thing with faith. It takes time. It, 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 faith takes time to develop. We are maturing in Christ. Paul says it like this. We're working out our salvation, okay? So if you're in this place today and you, you, you gave your life to Jesus, it's not like you just came in to faith and then you're just done. You don't, have to, you don't have to do anything else with this. Paul says we're working out our salvation. And so the way that I would see it is that we're maturing in Christ and our faith is growing. Um, it, it's funny how the older that we get, the more we mature. Amen? Like the older we get, the, the more, more we mature. We had a family trip to go skiing with our kids uh, uh, last weekend, and uh, it was my, my, both my brothers were able to go with their kids and us and then my mom and dad. And I, I kind of laugh because on the way from Kansas to New Mexico, you know, I'm in my 40s and my mom still mothers me. Anybody? Any? Yeah? My mom still mothers me. And, and she'll say things like, hon, I think you're speeding, right? I think you're, and she's looking over the seat. She's like, I, I think you're speeding. Are you wearing your seatbelt? And, you know, she just does this motherly thing. And, and I'm like, mom, okay, like, look, I'm in my, four, like, I get it, okay? I, I need to not speed, whatever. And then I get these flashbacks as a kid. And I remember trips as a kid. We had one of those big vans, right? Not mini vans, but the big vans. Not the, like, 15 passengers, whatever there, just the car, whatever, cargo vans. And I remember on trips that my parents, we would be hauling 80 miles an hour and so that we could make it on time, and instead of pulling over to switch drivers, they would do the thing where they lean the seat back, right? One would slip in, the other one would slip out. Yeah, and it was all boys in the car. So I remember we'd be like, Dad, Mom, we gotta pee. And they'd be like, we'll slow down to 50 pee out the window, right? <laughs> that never happened, but I felt like we were creeping along the highway. But something happened in this moment where now I'm going 65 and mom's mothering me, right? You're going 65, Aaron. I know, mom. I know. Something in that, like, mentality happened from, from years ago as a kid remembering, like, you didn't need, you, like, you switched driving going 80 miles an hour, right? By laying the seat back to now you're worried about whether or not I'm going 65. Like, you're crazy, right? No, my mom is a good mama. But she, she, something happened, she grew, she matured. She recognized that was dumb. <laughs> I, I, it, it's crazy. Like, I, even with, the, you know, again, it, it's crazy what we used to do versus what we do now. I remember, we, 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 just one more story about that. Like, I'm literally thinking about this as my mom's, like, telling me how to drive, Right? Like, we had a pickup truck, and we threw mattresses in the back of the pickup truck, and we drew, drove to Texas. Anybody? Come on now. We survived, kind of, right? <laughs> Something happened back then when we we're like, yeah, that's appropriate to, oh, my gosh. Like, some of you are horrified by that right now. It's just the way we grew up. And then maturity happens, and as we mature, we realize, man, we don't, we don't do that anymore. That, that probably wasn't healthy. We crossed the boundaries and the law, right? Um, and so the same thing happens in our faith. 
Like the more that we begin to mature, the more that we grow into our faith, the more that we're on this ride with the Lord, the more we realize the things that actually speak to his heart and the things that detract from him. So when we talk about increasing our faith, we're saying, God, we want to know you more, we want to be engaged in what you're doing more, we want to grow in our belief of what you've done, what you still desire to do, so that, God, we can speak to your heart, so that we can know your heart, so that we can engage with your heart versus detract from your heart. Um, so, you know, I had a question, and they said, hey, things are... Happen at Reliance, things are good that's happening at Reliance. I said, yeah, man, God's been moving. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, time, time will tell. And they said, what do, you, what, like, what do you mean time will tell? And I said, you know, sometimes I think um, when a body's moving, when God is moving, you see a community of believers is moving. Sometimes we think that just growth means that there's movement there. And I think, and there's some truth maybe in that, but I think one of the most identifying markers of a body that's moving, of a community that's moving, is that there's an increase in faith. Um, I think markers where faith is actually on the rise and increasing is that you'll begin to see things where God will begin to move. It could be generosity. It could be honor. It could be unity amongst the body. Transformation always happens when faith is on the increase. And so it's interesting to me that when Paul writes his letters to the church, especially in Ephesians and in Colossians, he uses similar language. And he says this in Ephesians 1.15, for this reason, ever since I've heard about your, everybody say faith. Ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul's off on a journey, and he's writing to the Ephesian church saying, I'm over here, and I'm hearing about this faith that's being stirred in your body. And because of that, I'm thanking the Lord for it. I'm hearing about it. It says the same thing in Colossians chapter 1, verses three through six. He says, we always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith, everybody say faith, in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So here he's going, like you have a hope that's being stored up for you. You haven't seen it yet. Jesus is coming back. He's going to take you home to glory. But you've got a hope in the things unseen, right? You've got a hope. And because of that, it's increasing not just your faith, but it's increasing your love for all God's people. Something's happening in these two bodies here that's different than what's happening at other places. And Paul's specifically writing to them to tell them, I see it. I'm hearing about it. God's moving. You've got a hope that you're clinging to, and that hope that you're clinging to is stirring your faith. And so I just want to say this again. Growth and crowds and all of that stuff doesn't always equal a true movement or a true revival. However, transform lives where the element, one of the key elements is increased faith equals, equals movement and growth in Jesus. Amen? So, yeah, we could talk about that another time. But I want to... I want to go on and I want to say that um, what I want to do is just set up faith today a little bit. We're going to continue on in the next couple weeks. I want to tell you why it's so important, okay? And so for, for some of you, you may feel like this is baseline, um, but I pray that your baseline would get jacked up a little bit, all right? I pray that you would, ugh, like, man, yeah, even though I've known faith, I've talked faith, I've studied faith, like, ugh, I need it. And so um, for starters, in Hebrews 10, 38, 
The author of Hebrews says, but my righteous will live by, everybody say faith. And I take no pleasure, listen to this, I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. We love the first part, my righteous will live by faith. Yes, I'll live by faith. I want you to underline the second part of that. I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. There's a word for us, I believe, in this room that we can have faith, but when the moment is coming where we're supposed to use our faith, we're supposed to catapult our faith, we're supposed to run with our faith, sometimes the tendency for us is to shrink back. He goes on in Hebrews eleven six, 6, and he says, and without faith, it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. impossible. To please God. Faith is a big deal. We're saying he's worthy, he's worthy of it all, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must, listen to this church, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So there's this dynamic that we don't just live with faith, okay? I want you to hear me say this, the word with. That's not what Hebrews 10, 38 says. It doesn't say my righteous will live with faith. There's a dynamic that we don't just live with faith or walk with faith, but the word in Hebrews 10, 38 says that we live by it. It's how we live. It's how we live. The more we live by faith, the more we put our stock in God's faithfulness and his character than our own point of view, amen? Let me, let me say it to you like this. There's many of us in this room that have principles in our life. We've got certain principles in our life. I've got this principle. I, this is kind of how I've you know, put this principle in my life. I want to have this principle in my life. There's many of us who have principles in our life, but what good are principles if we don't live by them? And so when he talks about faith, what good is faith if we're not living by faith? If we've got it, great, but if we're not living by it, what good is it? And, and, and I, wanna, I wanna say this because I think it's important. In Hebrews 11, that second part of that is that faith allows us to believe in Jesus. I wanna say that again. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And, 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 and it just seems so elementary when I was reading this and I'm kind of studying, it just seems so elementary. Must believe that he exists. Check, I believe that you exist, Jesus, check. And then like this profound sense came over my heart of going, do you? Do you really believe that I exist? Do you believe that there's this God creator of all things who spoke into the world, created everything, sent his son Jesus to die for all of humanity, that he's coming back again, that our hope and everything is found in him? Do you really believe that? And I'm like, I think so. And he's like, then why are you worried today? <laughs> then why are you anxious today? then why in the world are you so excited what's gonna happen two years from now on this trip? Or why are you so excited? You should be focused on me today. I, it, it was just like this profound thing that came. Must believe that he exists. And then there's the second part of that, and that he rewards. Let me say rewards. That he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We have to believe in the goodness of God. I believe that you exist, and I believe that you're good. 
And I believe that the more that I press into you, the more that I go after you, the more that my faith increases and I want more of you over everything else, the more that that happens, you are good, you are good, you are good. Because so many of us lose sight of the goodness of God. We're going to talk about that. We lose sight because our faith decreases and doesn't increase. So here's the tension. This is where the tension comes in with faith. The tension comes in with faith is that we meet the Lord and we, we, our hearts are stirred and we become passionate for him. And it's like, yes, everybody said following Jesus was good, right? Everybody said following Jesus was going to be good. And so then we see people come in and, and their hearts are stirred and passion comes in. And then marriage struggles hit. And then, and then family struggles hit, and then singleness hits, and finances hit, and health hits, and whatever difficulty comes in, emotionally, physically, spiritually, things come in, and they start to overwhelm us. And, and instead of our faith increasing in those moments, instead of us going, but I trust you, I believe that you exist, and I believe that you reward those who earnestly follow you. That's the only two things that matter. I believe that you exist, and you reward those, those who earnestly follow you. All of a sudden, all of these other things in life start crashing down around us. And the things that are happening in my marriage or the things that are happening in my finances or the things that are happening in my family or the things that are happening in my workplace begin to crowd my faith out. And instead of increasing my faith to say, it doesn't matter, I believe in the God of the universe, my faith goes. And as Timothy, Paul would say to Timothy in 1 Timothy, it says that, um, our faith would get shipwrecked. That our faith would waver. But Paul talks so much about those losing their faith, walking away from their faith, struggling in their faith. And so I'm a big believer. I'm a big believer that we're contending and that what we're contending against, especially in our day and age, the attack that's happening in our life is an attack on our faith. It's an attack on our faith. It's not an attack on our prosperity uh, of, of the enemy saying, I just, I just want to make you poor. That's not, he's not worried about that. It's not an attack on your, well, I just want to make you rich. Maybe, he's, maybe, maybe he works on some of those things. His attack is on our faith in trying to get us to waver. 16, as Paul's kind of folks says, in 2 Corinthians 4.16, as Paul's kind of focusing on the resurrection, our hope, our hope, our hope, our hope, he says, therefore, we do not lose, everybody say heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose faith. We do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Amen? <laughs> Some of you are like, yes. Though outwardly we're wasting away, Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light, I like how Paul describes it. Here's a guy who's been beaten, shipwrecked, stoned to death, essentially, right? Whipped, jailed more times than he can recount. For our light and momentary troubles. I'm like, are you crazy? He calls them light and moment, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. L listen, so we fix our eyes. He's getting ready to define what the author of Hebrews will tell us is the definition of faith. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen 
is eternal. And remember Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith as faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain. Somebody say certain. Certain of what we do not see. So here Paul in 2 Corinthians is saying the faith that we have, the reason that our hearts don't have to be troubled, the reason that we don't have to lose heart, the reason that we don't have to lose faith is because our eyes, and here's a question for you, it's really a rhetorical question, you answer it for yourself, our eyes are supposed to be fixed on what is unseen and not so much concerned about what is seen because he calls it light and momentary troubles. Now, some of you out there are going, but my troubles don't seem light and momentary. And I can't contend with you on that. I don't know what your troubles are. But I can tell you if there's a guy that was through the ringer, it was him. And so he sees something, this hope that he's clinging to that the rest of the world doesn't always get to see. This is the reason that Scripture identifies with faith so much. And this is the reason that Scripture lays out the definition of faith so much because If we don't know what scripture's definition of faith is, you can go to the dictionary, you'll find about 17 different definitions for faith. And so as believers, when we say that we believe that we need to increase our faith, we're saying that we are sure of what we place our hope in. We're sure of it. We're positive. I'm confident. I am confident in this place that I'll tell you with 100% assurity that my Redeemer lives. I know it. I'm 100% confident that Jesus is coming back and I'm on that train, amen? I believe it. I have the assurance of Jesus Christ and you, ha- you have it too with him. Now listen to this because I think this is important. So as believers that we're saying as we increase our faith, what it stirs within us is that we're sure of what we place our hope in. I heard a great word on this. I wanna share this with you. To hope in something means that your life is discontent in some way. He goes on, he says this, think about it. If you hope that your marriage becomes this or that, you're hoping that because it's currently not. If you have this hope that one day you'll have more money, you're discontented with the amount of money that you probably have right now if you're placing your hope in the fact that you'll have more money. So you could say a foundational element of faith is a discontented heart, the realization that although we're well-fed and we're well-clothed and we're safe and we're protected and we've got a hospital on every corner and we can go to the emergency care and we've got police and we've got firefighters, you could say that although we have all these things that surround us, that inside of us, without discontentment, there is no hope for something more. We've got everything. We've got everything at our fingertips. I don't hope for anything because I've got everything. I've got everything at my fingertips. And so he goes on and he says this. When we have a little bit of spiritual, holy discontentment in our life of the things around us that do not fulfill, it screams out from our guts that there's something more. Ah. That discontented heart then. When you say, are you saying this is it? Are you saying this is everything? You're saying that my life is about being well-fed? You're saying that my life is about being well-clothed? You're saying that it's just that I have all this uh, uh, health care? It's that I've got firefighters, I've got police officers, all these protection? Are you saying that, that this is it? And then all of us in here go, we've been living in all of that, and yet there's still something that's longing in our hearts. And it's this holy discontentment to say, God, we believe there's more. There's this hope that you're storing up for us in heaven. 
that one day will be ours. Amen, church. And it draws us into Jesus. That discontentment doesn't repel us. It doesn't say, no, 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 since you're withholding it, you say, what it does is it, it's somebody that's got all of these things and all of a sudden they go, they're just not fulfilling, they're just not fulfilling, and they're drawn in. <laughs> I don't know what you have in store, God, but I want it, and your faith increases. I want it, and so that discontentment brings us into the presence of God. <sighs> I think this is why Paul would write a lot about our faith Strengthen your faith, encouraging your faith, because I think that for Paul, not wavering your faith, all of these things were foundational to him. In so many of his writings, I just think about, uh, just real quick, I don't even have this in here, but Paul, one of his famous verses in Philippians is, to live as Christ, to, he wasn't a masochist. Paul wasn't saying, I just really hope I could die today, oh, Right? That's, that's, his mindset wasn't that. Paul's going, to live as Christ, to die as gain. He's basically, I, I would long, he would go on and say, I would long right now to go and be with Jesus. It would be better. Everything that I'm doing in my life, all of the things that I'm doing in my life are built on this foundation that I long to be with him. But then he kind of gets this mentality going, but it's better for you that I stay, right? <laughs> Paul sees it. He sees his hope. So he says, to live as Christ, if I'm going to live, then I'm going to do it as Jesus. I'm going to live as a dead man anyways, amen, alive in Christ. And to die is gain. When I do die, when I take my last breath, when I'm no longer walking on planet earth, I'm at the place that I belong anyways. And so there's this longing on his heart when he's writing these things, and you can see it in his writings to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 6.12, he says to Timothy, fight, somebody say fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Look what he says. Take hold of the eternal life. Remember your hope. Remember what it is that you're after. All right. Then he goes on and he says this in 2 Timothy 4, 7. When he is getting ready to take his last breath towards the end of his life, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the Paul's equating this fight, what we're fighting for, what we're after, what we're going for. He's equating with faith. What is it that you're struggling for on a daily basis? What is it that you're pursuing? What is it? It's, to, it's your faith in Jesus to increase that faith. Fight the good fight of faith. So again, the tension in here for some is that we've, we've been beat up in our faith. We've been beat up in our faith. Things didn't go our way. Things didn't happen the way we thought they should, should, should happen. Again, the mentality that we've, we've probably breathed into and shame on us is that if you follow Jesus, life's going to get easier, right? And we don't say those words, but there's this assumption from people when you talk with them that, oh, if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy because, again, the whole hope that we're longing for is not the hope here. He literally says the hope that is stored for us one day. So our longing, our desire, our faith is, yes, God wants to give us a life here. Yes, he talks about an abundant life. Not just any life, but abundant life. I, I buy it, I'll get all that. But our hope is in what's coming. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm at. Okay. 
what happens when you do that. Okay, so, so Jesus even, even, even tells us this in Matthew 24, 12, and he's talking about Christ's return. Hey, when, I'm, when I come back, well, you'll know this return. Talking about signs of the times. And he says this, because lawlessness, or some versions say wickedness, or some say sin, because lawlessness or wickedness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. You'd equate love and faith in that same thing. Most people's faith, most people's love will grow what? Cold. What? Cold. What? Cold. Will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Church, what we're, what we're fighting for, what we're contending for is that your faith, what we're contending for is that as time progresses, and I believe revival is going to happen. I believe God's going to move. I believe great things are going to happen. But as time progresses and as wickedness increases, as lawlessness increases, there's going to be a tendency for some of us to go, man, look at all the wickedness out there. I'm being beat up right now. My faith, man, is just being wrecked. I feel like my, 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 my faith is being shipwrecked right now. And the tendency is that for the love of many, he uses the word many, it will grow cold. You'll go, you know, I guess God's not good. Guess God's not faithful. Try something else. I tried Jesus, didn't work. Try, try something else. And it's because our eyes are fixed only for what's happening here. Forgetting that our hope is stored for when Jesus comes back. Okay. So how, do, how, how then, then do we get faith? Like what do we do to grow in faith? First of all, I want to tell you this. And I promise I'll close out in like 30 minutes. I'm just kidding. Um, Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace, for by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved. By grace you are saved. Through what? And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of, your faith is a gift of God. Church, listen to me. You and I don't have enough faith to try to get faith. <laughs> it is a gift from God. He gave it to us. The reason that you're a believer today isn't because one day you woke up and said, God, you know what? I'm just going to believe in you. The reason is that God stirred your heart with faith. He gave it to you. He gave you the gift of faith. Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. Other translations say, The measure of grace God has given you. God has given every one of us a measure of grace, a measure of faith. Every believer has that measure of faith in their life. Now this morning, what I want to encourage you with is what you're going to do with the measure of faith that you have. You don't have to stay at the same place with the measure of faith that you have. Amen. You can increase the measure of faith that you have. Listen to what he says to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, to the Thessalonian believers. He says, you don't have to stay where you're at. In 1, 3, he says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, rightly so, because your faith is? Growing. What? Growing. Your faith is growing more and more, and the love all you have for one another is increasing. Other translations say your faith is growing exceedingly. The, fa the faith that you've been given by Jesus, all of us have a measure of faith that he's given us. That's how we came into him. By grace you've been saved. Not of yourself. 
but it's a gift of God. So we come in because he's given us a measure of faith. But then what we do with that faith is determined on are we desiring to increase our faith or just simply stay where we're at. Let's talk about that for just a minute. In Luke 17, 5, Jesus is talking with his disciples, and, and he's telling them about forgiveness, <coughs> and he's telling them about these different things, these different principles. And then in Luke 17, 5, the disciples say this. The apostles said to the Lord, <coughs> increase our faith. Increase our faith. And I believe that there's two ways when we pray that prayer, increase our faith, that we begin to see an increase in our faith. Number one is feeding on the word of God. Number one, feeding on the word of God. And, and then number two, exercising, putting into practice the word of God. It's, it's, it's really not difficult. Jesus spent three years with his disciples. And in those three years, he continued to lead them into some perilous situations. In those three years, Jesus puts them in situations where storms come. In those three years, Jesus puts them in situations where they feel uncomfortable. In those three years, Jesus puts them in situations where he sends them out. And in every one of those situations, he always sends them out with the word of God. He always sends them out by telling them, downloading them the things that the Father has downloaded to him. But then he sends them out and he says now, you've been given power and authority in the words that I've given you. Go and do it. So there's both knowing the word of God and exercising or practicing the word of God. Amen? They go together. So, so, so real quickly in this, because this is important, and then we'll, I guess, finish next week. Um, the first thing is then if we're feeding on God's word, if we're feeding on God's word, God's word builds assurance and confidence and faith in our heart. Everything that Jesus was teaching his disciples, he was downloading from his father's heart. So, so how does faith come according to scripture, Romans 10, 17? Faith comes from, everybody say Hearing. Hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You hear, you hear the word of God. This is how your faith came. You hear the word of God. Something begins to birth. The faith that God has downloaded that you've given you a measure of begins to birth in your heart. And then all of a sudden you come in to Christ. And so Jesus says in Mark 4, 24, that you, somebody say, use it. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and even more. I heard a good word from a pastor and he said this, when you hear things growing up, you heard things and, and, and the minute you hear something, you begin to recognize in some way, shape or form how that impacted your life. He says you could hear a song, a song and all of a sudden you hear that song in some way, shape or form, maybe that song impacted your life. Like if I just started singing, like stop, collaborate and listen, ice is back with it. You know it, right? You know it. Some of you just went back to middle school Right? Some of you went to high school. Some of you went to college. Some of you just went to your Jinko jeans or whatever. Right? Some of you went to your razor cuts that you had in your hair. Right? Like, like you went back and all of a sudden that just formed a memory just hearing that song. You, when I was at K-State, right? When I was at K-State, the greatest place on planet Earth was Pizza Shuttle. Yeah? Call 776-5577. Call us now, Pizza Shuttle. I haven't been in college for 20 plus years, man. When, when, when I hear that jingle, when I hear that jingle, I think of cardboard pizza that was amazing at 3 a.m. <laughs> Amen? It takes you back, right? I don't want to grow up. They're out of business. 
They didn't have faith. <laughs> you, 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 you say a couple words and it takes you back. You know it. You say something and it starts to recognize something in your heart. This is why it's important that we hear. It feeds our hearts with something that we associate with. You read the word of God. You begin reading what Jesus has done. You read about faith in scripture. You read about how God moves. And all of a sudden it does something in your life. And it takes you back to that moment where you were broken and you needed Jesus. And he came to be your rescue. You read about the faith of God. You read about what God has done. You read about how God is good. And even if you're in a moment of misery, you remember when God lifted you up from the ashes. And all of a sudden when he lifted you up from the ashes, he reminded you that your hope is in something more. Amen. Amen. This is why it says in Revelation that we overcome with the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Because we read the word of God and it reminds us of what God has done in our own life. And what he's still going to do. So here's what, I, here's what I want to do. We'll get to exercise faith next week. Ah, that's too bad. But that's okay. We got to stand. We got to stand with me today. I've got a, we got a prayer team in here. Prayer team, will you guys come forward? Actually, prayer team, you don't have to come forward. Will you just kind of strategically place yourself on the sides down the middle here? Together as a church, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna pray something. And I'm just gonna ask the prayer team, they're gonna kind of just pray over you, just kind of walking up and down the aisles. If you're with your family, you can grab their hands. If you're with a friend, you can grab your hand. If you don't think your neighbor will punch you, you can grab their hand if you want, however you wanna do it. You don't have to. But together, we're gonna increase our faith. And so would you, would you, just, would you just lift your hands up or lift a hand up together? Even if you're holding somebody's hand, just lift it up. I just wanna pray this over us. Father, faith is foundational. Faith is foundational. Without faith, without faith, we can't even please you. You take no pleasure in those who shrink back. So God, I'm asking today, with every hand in this room that's up, Lord, that in the measure of faith that you've given us, we would use it and it would be given even more. I'm asking, God, for every hand that's up, God, by the measure of faith that you've given us, God, we would increase it all the more. I know it's a process, God. I know we'll continue to walk in this. But, Lord, I pray we're living in perilous days, God, where it says, in these times, the love of many, the faith of many will grow cold. So, God, I'm praying that this this place right here, and, and, God, all the churches around the city, God, we're we're bigger than just one family, but I pray, God, that we would have faith, Jesus, that would increase, not that we're ever going to match your faithfulness because you're faithful, but God, that as your faithfulness goes over and over, exceedingly more than we could ever think or imagine, that our faith would begin to rise in that. I'm praying, God, for the hands in this room that are up today, God, that our faith, Jesus, would remind us that our hope isn't just in this life, but something that's coming as well. Father, increase our faith. Increase our faith. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.